1: University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Hello and welcome to the Utah Puck Report. Uh, I'm Jay Stevens, and once again we tried to make it so Gary could be here and something came up so he's not here. Eventually we're going to get the whole team back together. Uh, Today Tyson Whiting. you go by Is it Whiting? Yeah, Whiting. Okay. The the voice of the Utah Grizzlies, you're the play-by-play announcer. Um, it's funny. So I grew up with two brothers, and one went by Whiting and one went by Whitting. And it's, I guess that's kind of a common thing with someone. Well, it's
2: almost like if you'd add an extra T, then it'd be Whitting. I mean, obviously, everybody right. knows a Kyle Whittingham. I mean, it's a very similar name, but obviously, he's got two T's in his last name.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and I have, uh, on our department, we had a DiGiornay. Well, in my, in my fire department, it was DeJornet. He pronounced everything, and then his brother goes by DeJornet, So, Well,
2: everybody always thinks it's where the Tampa Bay Rays, you know, the baseball team that's in first place in the American League East, they've got a guy named Brandon Lowe and a guy named Josh Lau. They, they pronounce their last names differently, even though they're spelled the exact same. One's Lowe and one's Lau. Yeah, you just never
1: know. I guess it's either up to your dad, or I guess at some point, if it's in the same family, it's up to you how you want to say it. That's
2: right. Say it <laughs> however you want to.
1: So Tyson, you brought up baseball, and that's kind of is baseball your first love is that
2: yeah, probably I mean it was the one where I realistically being five foot eight, I thought that I'd probably have the best chance of being a player as a baseball player, but then when you realize that oh, I can't even make my high school team then that dream kind of goes away pretty quickly but i'm I'm a huge sports fan whether it's baseball basketball football hockey I pretty much like them all except for soccer
1: <laughs> oh man, I wish my son was here my son uh, he normally helps out with the podcast and takes pictures and posts all the social media stuff. And he's a soccer player. Played in college and stuff and I tease him all the time about it. But
2: um, where are you from? I'm from around here. I'm from the Kearns area, really. Okay. I, mean, I was born in Pocatello and then, you know, my family moved when I was two. And, you know, I'd go, i went to Kearns Junior High, Kearns High School. Kind of grew up, uh, you know, watching the Jazz and the glory days of Stockton. I'm alone, and, Malone. and oh, yeah. right there, the late Golden Eagles, early Grizzlies days. You know, that's kind of what I grew up with. Did you go to Golden Eagles games? I went to a couple, but you know, I was I was pretty young when they moved to Detroit, and then you know, the early Grizzlies days. I mean, I still remember. I probably didn't go to many games, to many Grizzlies games, but I do remember that '96 Turner Cup run pretty well. You know, reading the newspapers every day and you know, seeing the progress and then eventually when they won the whole thing, I mean it just it yeah. was it was a pretty big deal, especially yeah. with the crowds that they were able to get at Delta Center back then.
1: Oh yeah. That's one of the things I want to talk about too. Like so you went to games at even just a couple, you went to games at the Delta Center.
2: Yeah. It, it was really just a couple, but yeah. you know, it's Do you go to the NHL games that are there? I went to a couple of them. I actually shadowed uh, the LA Kings TV broadcast uh one time. I think it was the 2019. Um, game when they played Vancouver and I was I was actually right behind Jim Fox and Alex Faust and and watched them work and you know, I, I was working some stats there I you know it was kind of tough because I didn't really have a table next to me but it was kind of fun it, actually kind of weird seeing Alex Faust get let go by the Kings it looks like they're going to now a radio TV simulcast but that was a lot of fun no, I mean no. it's it's not like the Delta Center you know, what's now going to be the Delta Center again it's not like it's built for hockey but you know right. it's, it's still a fun environment. And it's ho-
1: but it's, it's hosted hockey, and I think the, the NHL games are fun there. And it's hosted hockey in the past, and none of us complained. I think we were just grateful that hockey had was back because we'd lost the Eagles and all the Grizzlies had come in, and it was AAA hockey again or AHL, IHL. And I think we were all just grateful to have hockey back, and none of us questioned the seats, really. But now that everybody's talking about there's going to be an NHL team,
2: like, oh, the seats aren't good enough there. There's not enough good seats, and I'm like, yeah, oh, there's enough. It could be kind of like the uh, New York Islander situation when they originally went to Barclays Center, and oh. it's just like you had the folded seats. I think that was kind of the case in Arizona there when they played at the NBA arena uh, before they ended up moving to Glendale. And, it, you know, it's it's kind of the folded seats are kind of a weird thing, you know, especially on the ends, but uh, and some of the sight lines there, puck gets in the corner, and you got, right. you got that overhang that kind of uh, obstructs the view for some of the seats, but, you know, it's still... I mean the, the the thing about that downtown arena is it's absolutely perfect for basketball. It's perfect for some of the other events, but when you're folding seats back to make room for hockey, then it could be a little bit difficult.
1: Right, it does get kind of weird. But then that's also where that like, awesome jumbotron comes into play. Yeah. So I even watch even just at the Mavericks Center, I end up watching a lot of the game on the jumbotron. That I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I? Why am I staring up when the game's right here in front of me?
2: That was a big addition this year, putting that right at center ice. And it almost seems like you get a replay, and instead of looking to the side, there, you know, you'd be looking straight up, and we're able to see exactly what happened, especially on those close calls. You know, it's either either they make the right call or the wrong call, and it was fun to see. You know, actually, that that video board this year, I think it made a big difference. Yeah, I think so too. I, I love the upgrades that they've been doing.
1: So, tell me how you got into what you do now. Where did you,
2: what got your start and what was like your first step? I think it was one of those things I always wanted to do. You know, once I realized I wasn't good enough to be a pro athlete, I knew that immediately that I wanted to be a broadcaster. I was kind of inspired by guys like Hot Rod Humley, especially with him doing a simulcast where, you know, it'd it'd be a TV broadcast, but he'd have a radio description to it. And I was always kind of drawn to that. So I knew it was something I always wanted to do. Um, but you know, right out, out of high school, I went to Salt Lake Community College for a year, and I thought eventually I'd, you know, get an internship at a radio station, but then I realized, that, you know, I didn't have much money. So I went and got a real job for about three or four years over at Winder Farms, which doesn't exist anymore. Oh, but yeah. Um, so I worked in the warehouse for about three or four years and just was trying to save up enough money to where when I went to school, I could just pay for it right there and not have to deal with those student loans the rest of my life. Smart, yeah. So I, you know, I went to, Community College, thinking I was just going to be in sports talk radio. You know, that was really my my whole goal. It wasn't really play by play or you know work with a team. I really just wanted to work for a sports talk radio station because I was one of those people. I'd listen from six a.m. to seven p.m. Yeah. I, I was one of those avid sports talk radio listeners. And so, you know, I went to school for a couple of years. Eventually, got an internship at thirteen twenty K Fan in January of twenty thirteen. Yeah. You know, a Cumulus station and. And my whole goal there, you know, when I was an intern is just to find a way to stay. You know, I, I got my foot in the door. My whole goal was to just find a way to get a job there and just stay and and um I was able to make enough of an impression. I, I know a lot of random sports trivia and sports history, so I was able to, you know, combine that along with, you know, just working hard with audio editing and things like that. And eventually I was able to stick around as a producer. Um I ended up producing the afternoon show for about three years or so, and even had my own Saturday show that I hosted for two years. But, uh, you know, while I was there, the Grizzlies were on that station. You know, they they were on 1320K Fan, and I was the guy back at the studio pressing the buttons to make sure that we'd go to commercial and all that stuff, and, you know, while I was there, I tried to do a good job, and, you know, Adrian Denny was a play-by-play guy at the time, and so... I got to know him a little bit, and then I'd run into him at bees games every now and then. And and um, in January of 2017, he brought me in to do some game night stuff and just kind of help out on game nights. And he must have known the radio station was going to fold or something. I I didn't know, but on February 27th, 2017, you know the radio station folded on a snowy Monday. And before you know it, just like oh wait a minute, now what am I gonna do? Right. <laughs> I'd been working as a producer, trying to work my way up to a host, and all of a sudden, bam! Just like that, the rug just yeah. pulled from underneath. And so it's like okay, well the only thing I got left is the Grizzlies. So it's actually I get you know we got let go at about 10 a.m. Um, on that Monday, and so I, for some reason it's like there's five inches of snow on the ground. I figure I got nothing else to do today, so I go. Drive up to Maverick Center, and I figure I'm just going to hang out there for a little bit because what else do I got to do? I don't don't have work anymore. So, you know, Adrian's like, oh, we'll find something for you to do. You know, we'll we'll find a way to keep you occupied and busy. Like three hours later, I'm in an elementary school closet putting on Grisby's costume
1: (laughs) for a school assembly thinking
2: to myself, boy, this is not how I thought this Monday would go. (laughs) Life comes at you fast. Yeah. And so from there, you know, they made me the the pre- and post-game guy. And and, um, and then in the summer of 2018, I ended up going to the Idaho Falls Chuckers, which is, you know, they're actually owned by the same people who own the Grizzlies. Right. So I did that for a summer, and during that summer, Adrian went to the AHL's Tucson Roadrunners. And all of a sudden, you know, Utah needed a broadcaster, and I figured, well, I was I, I, I just thought that I was going to be the pre- and post-game guy, so I figured, well, I better put my name in the hat because otherwise I got nothing else lined up. Right. So I put my name in the hat, and you know, for some reason they picked me, and some five years later, here we are. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you, um, and I didn't say this at the beginning, but I should have. Like, I'm a big fan of yours. Like, I
1: I didn't know who you were. Uh, I, I hadn't listened. Like, I love Adrian, and I, I but I didn't listen to him very often either. I think mostly because I was either at the game or if – the Grizzlies were on the road. I just didn't usually tune in, which I should have been. Uh, I usually just wait for the text saying, hey, uh, so-and-so sick or so-and-so got pulled up. Yeah. And then that, and that really involves me again, right, like if I get to e-bug. But the first few times I listened to you, I remember, uh, I don't know if you know who Phil Snyder is. He's a local hockey player. He's also in a band. And Isn't uh, he the guy that came up with the Grizzlies' goal song? Yeah, he is. Yeah, his band. Was, and actually, they're working on, right now, we talked about it yesterday, they're working on an intro song for, like, an intro video for when the Grizz come out on the ice. But anyway, I was listening to him. He's like, hey, have you heard the new guy? And I said, no, I haven't. So he fired you up, and I was like, wow. Like, you – Adrian was awesome, and I'm not trying to take anything away from Adrian, but you add a whole new depth. Um, and maybe it's coming from that baseball background, or maybe it's more uh, – I think you just do your homework more than a lot of guys in the East Coast League. So I, I just got to tell you, I'm really impressed with the way you uh, handle the game, and, and I, like – I think what I was told about you at first is that you weren't a hockey guy. So I'm like, ah, this typically doesn't work out, right? Like, a guy that doesn't understand the sport isn't going to be able to really broadcast it. But you obviously understand the sport, and you do an amazing job. So i just pump your tire there for a minute. <laughs> well, I want, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> I, <laughs> wanted, I just wanted to tell you as a fan at the beginning, I totally forgot. Um, all right, so now you're with the Grizzlies, and now you've got to – you went from – you know, kind of being a part-time guy. You know, and I've done the same thing that you were doing, the board-op-ing, my my entire life. I started radio when I was 12, and then I'd be the board-op guy, or or even if you're on the other side of it. But it wasn't until, like, two years ago, I got, I'm not even supposed to really admit this, but another radio station during COVID was having problems with staffing, and they said, hey, can you just help us with Weber State football games? Like, will you come in and just board-op? Which is weird to ask a guy that's, my age, you know, but they, they were just desperate. And it was a friend of mine. I was like, yeah, I'll go in a board op. And you forget about that closeness like you must have been getting with Adrian because you're on the air and then you're in the board op's ear the whole time just saying, hey, we're going to go to commercial or, hey, when do I come out? How much time do I have? And you get a lot of communication that way. So
2: it's funny. You kind of really build up that relationship. Hey, you got to know when that out cue is. going to make oh, sure yeah. you hit that commercial. Gonna, oh, yeah. Things it's, like
1: that. It's easy for you to know in the studio, but you got to make sure that Adrian knows or whoever else is back. Um, so now that you've been around, and you, you mentioned, like, you was on radio, and now it's, you know, things change a lot. What's, what do you see happening with Grizzlies broadcasts in the future, like streaming and all that stuff?
2: Well... I mean, this past year we ended up doing our audio broadcast on YouTube, which was certainly interesting. I don't yep. know that anybody's really done that, but makes it harder to listen to in the car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it really does. You just fire up the phone and yep. things like that. But it's uh, I can almost see it kind of being you know. I imagine Flow Sports going to continue with the exclusive video stream. Yeah. And the problem with that is that they're the only ones that can you know show you video of the game. So it's just like your audio broadcast which is kind of a kind of a combination of video and audio because you got a camera watching me while I'm watching the game, which is uh, kind of weird. It took a lot a huh. lot of time to get used to. But I, I imagine that might be what happens next year. But it almost seems like even NHL teams are experimenting. I mean just recently the LA Kings went from a separate TV and radio uh, broadcast to just having one. You know, they got rid of Alex Faust and then they put Nick Nick Nixon there is the play-by-play guide. I, ma- I imagine he's just going to do a simulcast where it's going to be a TV broadcast, but you know, on the audio side, it's going to be you know radio description. Yeah, and uh, you know, you're seeing some other teams kind of get creative with it as well. And um, you know, at the yeah. NHL level, probably the death of the regional sports networks is going to uh, cause some teams to think about Plan B and what they're going to do with yeah, for sure. you know, their TV broadcasts. And do they just combine it with? a radio broadcast of some kind, and, um, you know, it's it's difficult at times, you know, especially with road games, you know, doing remote broadcasts and, you know, watching the, the video feed, and, and um, so it's almost like with road games, it's tough to get really creative when, you know, you're just trying to get the basics of, right. see the game, and just find a way to get it out to the audience and so i I imagine here for the short term it's going to be pretty similar to what it was the previous year for the grizzlies what did that start
1: like you're not going on road trips did that start during covid and then just keep going yeah it
2: was one of those where that year where only half the teams in the league played um i don't think anybody was traveling i think fort wayne's guy might have Drove, you know, because they were so close to a lot of the road games that they went to the road venues. I think he ended up driving to most of the road games, but just about everybody else. And it was a league-wide thing where they just, you know, kept the broadcasters at home. And then, um, you yeah, know, then the following year, it just was kind of a team-by-team thing. You know, yeah. some teams did travel their guys, and some teams didn't. And the ones that didn't, you know, Flow Sports to give them a, vi- a feed, and then you just plug, plug a USB into the computer or something, and fire up audio that way, and, and, um, and,
1: you know, just. It's kind of a weird, I don't know, I, I don't love it. I got to admit that and it's got to be tough for you. Like, I can't imagine, it's almost like when you'd practice. I, I remember I I was asked um, during that professional roller hockey, there were three of us goalies, and they said, hey, you've done broadcasting, is there a chance when, if you're not either playing or on the bench, that you could do play-by-play, and I'd never done it. And they said, well, just watch basketball games on TV and practice, you know, announcing with it. So that's kind of like how you start. And now it feels like because of streaming and budgets or COVID or whatever, now you're kind of back to how you practice, right? Like it's, you're watching, you're watching the game on TV
2: just like everybody else. And now you're trying
1: to make it exciting for everybody.
2: Yeah. Especially since you're just in an, an empty room, it's kind of tough when a goal gets scored, you know, you, You want to build that excitement, but yet there really isn't much of a background noise, and so it just kind of it feels like you're in a room by yourself. And so you got to generate a little bit of excitement. Then you hope that the camera operators, you know, do their part. Like in Tulsa, it seems like it goes back and forth so much, and half the time the puck isn't even on the screen. So you're trying to find a way to uh, trying to find a way to. Figure out one where the puck is and two who's got it. Yeah. I think one of the tough things is you know, with those video feeds is that, you know, you're only getting that one camera angle and some of the things that you try to do to anticipate where the puck is going, who's on the ice. I mean sometimes you know, you, you fall behind in a play because you know, you don't know who's out there. Yeah, and you, you can't know, see everything develop. Yeah, whistle sure. blows, sometimes one of the secrets you learn is you try to follow at least a few of the guys that are coming on and off the ice. Yeah. So you try to figure out, you know, who's taking the face off for both teams. But if you know they cut they cut away from the ice, you know, once the play stops, and then they come back about the time the puck drops, you know the you know a line change has been made. But you're you feel like you have fallen behind because you're not sure who the two defensemen are up top. You know, you're trying to just describe what you see, and you know, unfortunately, you become about two or three seconds behind at times. Uh, because when you're at home you're trying to you know there are little tricks you can see when you can see the whole ice to try to anticipate where the play's going uh see so you, you know then you could feel like you're on top of things and really when you're uh, you're watching the remote feed sometimes it can be tough to anticipate things uh,
1: man your job's hard enough and i think that just makes it harder like trying to keep track of that. and that's one of the questions so like i said we opened this up for the um people on Facebook and Instagram, and said, hey, what, what questions do you have? And one of the questions, um, well, Nick Haynes asked if you plan on being back this season.
2: I plan on it, yeah. As long as the team wants me back, I'll be back. And is Guy going to be back with you? I'm not sure. Uh, I, he did an outstanding job this past year. I mean, he was just really a, broad, a broadcast intern. You know, he was a senior at the University of Utah this past year. I think he graduated oh, last yeah. month. And um, as the season progressed, he was just kind of like, "This guy's on top of things. He's prepared and and uh, you know knows information about both teams." And so, about I don't remember exactly when. It was probably mid-January. I figured I just have him call the game with me and have him kind of being the game analyst. And he did an outstanding job. And yeah, you know, the few too. games he wasn't with me, he was over on the other side, you know, preparing a demo tape. And I'm hoping somebody. Decides to hire him because I think he oh. would do an outstanding job the next to last regular season game, I gave him the second period you know just to have him do play by play and he did an outstanding job and so i 'm hoping somebody hires him and gives him a, a big you know, big wad of cash and you know, <laughs> gives him a, an opportunity because I think he certainly deserved it well that 's awesome that 's fun too as like a mentor to watch watch people grow and you
1: give them a little you see that they have potential and you try to guide that potential and then to actually see
2: them succeed is always fun for, for you as a mentor, I bet. And then think to yourself, oh, this guy may be, might be better than me. Uh, that's, the, <laughs> that's
1: the other part of radio is that sometimes you're training your replacement. In and, <laughs> and the fire department, they're like, hey, make sure that you train the next guy to take your job, which is fine because – but in radio, when you do that, they can literally just take your job when you weren't <laughs> done with it yet. So it's always a scary thing. Um, but what I was getting to before is going back to these questions and what you were talking about, like – for me, seeing you trying to broadcast on those, those flow feeds, which we tried to buy the rights so that, KSL. Wanted, we wanted to stream all of the Grizzlies games, which I think we would have, I don't know, put more effort into it or whatever. But um, watching you try to do that, I started thinking, man, and this is actually one of the questions is, you've got all those names anyway, right? You've got, and hockey is notorious for just crazy last names. <laughs> And then the other thing that people maybe do or do not realize is in the East Coast League, but I can hardly think of a night where the next night the lineup's the same. And then surely the next week, even if it's the same two teams, there's going to be four guys changed out on both rosters. So you got all these crazy names. You don't see who gets on the ice. So how do you keep track of all that? Do you go through the locker room and ask guys how do they pronounce their names or ask their play-by-play guy? or How do you, how do you
2: prepare for all those crazy names? Usually with the Grizzlies players, I'll, I'll ask them, you know, after a morning skate or, or you know, if I've run into them. And, and uh you know, there's, there's a couple of tricky ones. And, you know, there's – like we, when we had Martin Ouellette, uh right before the pandemic, a goalie, you know, it was just kind of like – you know, you're saying it right, but you're not really sure. And when Dastu was here, it was just yeah, kind of like, I remember seeing that name and going, Oh, well, I hope he spends a whole year in the AHL because <laughs> I'm not sure that that's going to be a name that you can consistently pronounce. And I remember I'd asked, I asked him, you know, Dastu, how, how do you say your name? And then he said it. And then I asked somebody else, like, go ask him how to say his name because if they, if he says the same t- thing to them, and it'd be like, okay, that's what we'll go with. And Eventually he turned out to be like the best defenseman the Grizzlies have ever had. Right, yeah. With with his production. Um with the visiting team, you know, oftentimes you'll just ask their broadcaster, you know, how do you say some of the complicated names? Like, you know, Idaho had a defenseman, Demetrius Kumatsis, who played at Arizona State, and so that one was one of the it wasn't necessarily how you, you thought it was pronounced. Um you know, when you play a team like Idaho twenty six times a year, luckily by game twenty, it's just it's almost, second yeah. nature. It's almost like a home game. Like it's almost like almost, your team. almost know yeah. Idaho as much as you know Utah. Um, sometimes you get those teams that you meet once or twice. So right. You just try to memorize as much as you can, and then you know, and then just hope it, hope it turns out well. I mean. Sometimes, you know, you could spend the whole day and you could look at the roster, but then when game time comes around and 15's got the puck for the visiting team and you realize, oh, wait a minute, (laughs) I forgot who 15 is. For me, sometimes I have to just say the name a few times. Um, During warm-ups, you know, if the Grizzlies play a home game and we're playing a team that I'm not really familiar with, I'll I'll spend the whole warm-up just looking at the visiting team warm-up, watch the player skate, whether it's number 13, and then just kind of say, you know, 13's name, you know, three or four times and then hope that it eventually sticks. luckily, you know, over the years, it's become second nature. Right. Um, You know, once they've said their name a few times, that just kind of finds a way to stick.
1: It's funny. I had a uh, experience when my son was playing soccer and I got asked to be in the locker or be in the broadcast booth and just do the PA announcing. And I did not realize... That uh, because I've got the German names down, Czech, Russian, Canadian, French Canadian, whatever I could usually get it, but they are all Spanish last names, and I was slaughtering them absolutely. And the people coming to the booth, they're like, "No, no, no, you're saying it wrong," and I'm like, "I'm doing the best I can. I I give up. Like I just could. It's weird that I never realized that was my blind spot because it's very rarely used in hockey. Right? I
2: was just slaughtering the names."
1: Tell me about, like, the craziest times that you have had as far as being a broadcaster. Like, it's day-to-day. You go in, you have normal stuff, you, you prepare. But
2: what's, what's just a crazy experience that you've had so far as a broadcaster? Well, there's been quite a few of them. Uh, I, rem- I remember the Brady DeVries game, uh, being back at home and not really knowing the complete situation of Utah Just looking for any sort of goalie, anybody that can put pads on, anybody who owns pads in Rapid City. And I remember about noon asking Kanasovich for the lineup, and he he didn't he didn't know what it was yet. And gets about four o'clock of that game day, and I figured I better call him just to figure out who's playing for us. So I I call him up, and he's like, uh, "That's our goalie." You you could tell he was he was not having a good day. Just like our goalie, I think. Brady Devries, is his name, and so I'm, I'm looking him up and going, "Hey, he's a 19 year old freshman at Grand Canyon University." I thought this is going to be an adventure, yeah. and then as the game goes on, you're just like, "Wait a minute, Grizzlies are hanging in there with this Rapid City team," and eventually, you know, you get to overtime and Trey Bradley scores a goal. And it's like, "Wait, they just won with an emergency goalie." Yeah. It just it, never met the guy. Never met Brady Devries, and it was kind of weird being on the road, you know. Uh, the Grizzlies being on the road and being back, you know, I was literal in an empty Maverick Center trying to call the game and getting absolutely no help from Rapid City. They're trying to, they're trying to pretty much just. Act like none of this is happening. Yeah, they're, they're just burying the whole thing. I never got a photo or video <laughs> footage or any, you know, video highlights or anything of Brady Devries. That that was a crazy one. I remember in Allen, Texas, you know, driving back from Allen to the airport in Dallas and the. Uh, the bus that we're riding in, the door was open on the freeway the whole way. They couldn't close the door. So we're just sitting there, doors open. We're just slowly getting to the Dallas airport. Monday Monday morning rush hour. There's a lot of travel things. I mean, the two years I did travel, there was a lot of crazy things. And, you know, being on the bus at 4 a.m., trying to get from one city to the other. There's like a blizzard. Ugh. And even, you know, this past year, it's just... Yeah, you know, just every now and then, just stuff happens. And you're you're just looking around, going, "Have you ever seen that before?" No, never have. It's just, you never know what pops up. But every year, it's always something different. Yeah, that's the thing, and you get a lot of that
1: too, uh, especially. Well, I don't know. It kind of brings the imagery of like slap shot back, where you're on the. It's a budget league. We all know that it's not. There's not big money being spent, and you get buses are breaking down, and you're scrambling, and there's a lot of times where you're like. Have you ever seen that? Nope.
2: But. Yeah, a great movie or a great TV series or even a great book could be written about just some of the crazy stuff that happens, yeah. especially that, that COVID impacted year, where only half the teams in the league played. And it yeah. was, you know, games were, you know, random games were getting postponed or you'd have a game where, you know, one team's got 13 guys dressed. You know, it was kind of interesting seeing game two at the end of where, uh, you know, the of the finals there were you know, Florida had like six guys on the bench. You know, it was kind of like yeah. every now and then in 2021, you just had a random game where it's just like, yeah, there's there's five guys in the ice and there's six on the bench. You just have to find a way to get
1: through it. It's so crazy to think about those times. And that was one of my questions is just tell me about your experience with COVID. But my, from my perspective is the e-bug. And at first I'm like, well, it's over for me because they're not going to bring in some random firefighter but the minute it got out, the, we got, as a first responders, we got vaccinated first, right? Maybe, and that's, that's a whole other topic. That Anyway, as soon as it got out that I got vaccinated, I was on the bench every week. <laughs> I got more time. I thought I was going to get zero time, and I got more time during COVID than I did in the probably the three years previous. Everybody
2: but, needed a goalie. Yeah,
1: everybody needed a goalie, and nobody could travel, and things just got
2: really weird. So, yeah, I was spending a ton of time. Good thing you weren't in Rapid City that one night. You probably would have been in net, you know. So,
1: and, and, yeah, Canasiewicz called, and he's like, I was on shift at the fire department. I would have gone because I would, I would have flown out for that. And he's like, can you come out? You'll probably play. And to me, that sounds like a good time. And the last time I played was against Rapid City, so I was like, I'll do that again. But I couldn't get it there. They tried to get my son out there. Um I, they were just scrambling so hard. They and the guy they ended anything. up going with was just on a
2: Christmas vacation. Yeah. You know, he lived in Rapid City.
1: Yeah, we had him on the show uh, right after that and just listening to his story. and Can you imagine? Um, have you? They put you in the net one time, didn't they? Have you put on the pads?
2: I don't think I have. I okay. mean, there's been some other, like the assistant equipment manager Jackson when it went out there in pads. Yeah, I mean, he
1: was a goalie. So.
2: I mean, I think he was one of the options. Like, if they couldn't yeah. find a breeze, I think Jackson did travel that year. I, it probably would have been him in that.
1: Honestly, he probably –
2: well, I know
1: that the
2: other kid won, but Jackson's actually a pretty goalie. You know, Chris Shornack, the uh, you know, old yeah. equipment, equipment manager, I think he's an assistant equipment manager of the LA Kings. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, think, I think he was a goalie at Adrian.
1: Yeah. Actually, I was harassing him last night. He's, he's helping me order some gear. Um, Great guy. But what, what I was getting to is, that like, it's it's hard enough to – be a goalie at that level with everything you have custom fit, custom made, ready to go. And that Brady kid had to borrow somebody else's com- complete equipment, skates and everything. And that, that's so awkward. And then to make that your pro debut, plus not being, he, I think he'd only played like one or two college games at that point. It was two, maybe three games at grand no. Canyon university. Grand Canyon. And they had two teams. I like They had a, cause it's club. I think they had D1 and D2, and he was on the D2 team. So, he was not prepped and ready to go, and he did an amazing job. Like, that's, that's, that, that's the thing everybody dreams about, right? Like, oh, I'm in the stands. This is what I do. What if the coach
2: points up and he's like, we need you?
1: And would you be ready to go? I can't imagine with somebody else's gear, it's just got to be tough.
2: Yeah, it just especially if it doesn't fit. You know, it's- yeah.
1: And the odds are, and especially because, again, everything's so adjustable on the goalie equipment now, so – You may wear a large and I wear a large, but if you put my large on, my elbows are going to be in a different place. My wrist cuffs are going to be in a different place. My back floater, my chest floater, like all that stuff's going to be adjusted to how I move. And now you're in it and it's, man, it just, it's so complicated and changes everything. And if you have any claustrophobia in you at all, you'll find it when you're in goalie equipment because man, (laughs) it messes with you. So what else during COVID did, I mean, how did you make it work? Is that just your introduction to
2: solo broadcasting from a, an empty room? Yeah, pretty much. You just uh you're just trying to do you're just trying to find a way to make it work. I remember the first game, I don't even know if it did work, the first road game in Rapid City. You're just because it was all new, you know, previously just gone to all the road games and been able to see it. And so, you know, when a goal gets scored and you know, the camera really didn't, you know, Give you a good angle as to who scored or whether it got tipped, yeah. and then some of those places they won't show you a replay because they, they they don't want to show any replays of you know the visiting team scoring. So then that becomes you know a thing, or, or the first time your screen freezes, and by the time you know you reload the page, you know oh wait a minute, scores now two to one. <laughs> what what, yeah, that, what, happened? what happened? Somebody scored a goal. Uh You know that that was something where you know you just you find a way to just. And sometimes you just have to say, hey, <laughs> we yeah. didn't see it. Yeah. And that's, and I think people back in
1: the day, I would say even five years ago, that would have been unacceptable. Right. But now you're just like, look, this is where we're at. This is what's happening. Like, I'm streaming. You're streaming. We missed it. Sorry. Like, we're doing the best we can. We're doing everything we can.
2: Yeah. And it, it's always tough when, you know, you, you want to do a good job and you want to, you know, you want to put together something that you feel like sounds like an NHL level kind of broadcast, and you, but yet there are times where you're just like, hey, there was one in Wichita, you know, in March where the Grizzlies scored like three goals in a two minute stretch, but you know I didn't see the third one because my screen froze because we were having some internet issues, <laughs> and so it's just like, well, three to two, <laughs> Grizzlies now lead three nothing. I figured it was it was probably. My internet it wasn't everybody else's, so I just we had a live chat on YouTube. So it was just kind of like, uh, well, if you saw the goal, can you in the description you know, oh, tell yeah. us how we scored yeah, Tell us how we that. scored.
1: Yeah. That's smart.
2: But I was looking for a fish story. I was looking for you know the guy lept, you know jumped over two people and then did a cartwheel, and <laughs> I didn't actually want a real description as to how the goal got scored. I wanted to a fish story. Really, I wanted somebody
1: to be creative <laughs> with it. Yeah,
2: that's funny. Um,
1: all right. So one of the other question is. Uh, Is the rooster going to be back?
2: I hope so. I think uh, you know if he's in this league, I I think Kanawitz would certainly like to have him back. I mean, Jordan Martell—that was probably the trade of the year that Kanawitz made. You know, he he acquired Jordan Martell for Neil Robinson, and uh, you know Martell had picked up, I think, six assists in thirteen games with Fort Wayne, but he just was having a tough time scoring goals and. And, um, you know, Canas, picked him up, and there were games where he looked like the best forward on the ice. Oh. Uh, there just there were many games where it just seemed like he, uh, you know, not only made an impact scoring, but even games where he wasn't scoring, it felt like he was still getting three or four good scoring chances. And um, he really gave the Grizzlies a big boost. And you think about the last week of the regular season where he won the league's Player of the Week award. I mean, the Grizzlies probably don't make the playoffs if he doesn't have – right. The kind of week that he did against Tolson. So I think Canaswich would like to have him back. And I, I think that the, uh, you know, there will be a roster spot for the Rooster if he's going to be in this league.
1: Now, looking back, uh, it's crazy to me. So, one thing two years ago was an amazing year with Dastu and Manic and Trent Minor just basically coming out of nowhere and setting the shutout record. And you had all these things just clicking, and, and just being around the team. And I know I get like, I get a little better look than most people, because not only am I a fan, but I get to go in and practice with the guys every once in a while. And to walk, walk into a locker room like that with that much positive energy, it it was it's that's hard to find. First off, and I've talked to Knazwitch about it quite a bit, but it just seemed like that team was destined to do good things. This year was. Really good. Barely made the playoffs. Like you said, it was a last-week push. We had to win those last three games, I think. I
2: had to win all three of them yeah. based on how,
1: the, how it turned out. And then to think, you know, because Idaho and Florida are in the final
2: right now. I did they play last
1: night? I think they did, right?
2: I know Florida's up 2 nothing. Uh, okay. uh, I don't know if they've played great game three just yet. Okay. I knew they were up, but
1: um, just the fact that Idaho is in the final, and we were literally two goals away from, I mean, we lost four games in overtime in a row after going up 2 nothing on a team that just set the record for wins or points during a season. And to lose four in a row to Idaho all in overtime was unheard of. It's like a Disney movie, backwards, like if you're watching it from the Idaho standpoint, because that was pretty crazy. But to think, that team that gelled right at that last moment, and that's good coaching. That's creative coaching on Canaswich's part, because he was building... He made some moves that maybe didn't make sense at the time, but then once play went on, it was obvious why he did it. But to be two goals away from advancing from the first round with that team, that's that's pretty impressive. What did you, what did you think about that last push?
2: Well, it felt like the team that you know was in the playoffs wasn't necessarily the one we saw in January, and because of that, you know everybody looked at the standings, and went, "Oh, Idaho's forty some odd regular season standings points ahead of Utah," but it didn't really feel like it. You know, it didn't feel like. You know, the margin, the difference between Utah and Idaho was that much. You know, picking up Kyle Mayhew and Luke Martin and some of the forwards, the you know, Kyle Betts coming over from the AHL. Oh, yeah. I mean, he spent just about the whole year in the AHL, came back here and he looked like he was at a different speed. And then, you know, guys just getting better as the season went on. You know, Cameron Wright had an outstanding year and and it just seemed like the team just finally found its way from about mid February on and so yeah, you know, it was interesting going into that playoff series. Everybody in the locker room, you know, they didn't care about what Idaho's regular season record was. They felt like they were going to win. Yeah. You know, there wasn't a, hey, let's, let's give them a good push. You know, let's, let's tell you. They were, they were looking to win. You know, they were expecting to win. And first two games in Idaho went exactly the way, you know, Utah wanted. Game three, you know, was kind of back and forth and, you know, I, I guess you you tip your hat to Idaho because they found a way to win those games. Um, I, I know that you know for the, from the Grizzlies' perspective, it's it was definitely frustrating once you started seeing you know the third overtime loss, and then obviously you know Game Six in Boise because it felt like they they were just right there. Yeah. You know it it was theirs for the taking. Uh, I think that you know you you spend the whole offseason trying to figure out you know what's that. What's that little five percent extra that can you know get them over the hump? You know what, you know what's really the difference? Uh, you know, to where you end up winning those overtime games as opposed to losing them. And I think for me it was kind of weird because it was the second time I've seen that particular yeah, that same scenario. You know, in twenty nineteen the Grizzlies won Game One in a blowout yeah. in the first round, to Idaho, and then lost four straight overtime games. And so for me, I had. I had those nightmares of 2019 all over again thinking, "Oh, we're we're right there. We never lost a single regulation game in the series and yet, you know, they're going home." And considering where Idaho is now in the finals, you know, it almost feels like, yeah, if Utah could just have found a way to sneak one or two, yeah, two, just, more goals. two more goals, you know, could it be the Grizzlies in the finals? I think that's that's what I wonder. It's and it's
1: tough and and you talk about that 5% or the X factor or whatever. And, you know, I coached a couple kids a long time ago. Well, it wasn't that long ago, but um, I, I coached these guys. that uh, They're brothers, um, Jamal and Jaden Eckett. They, they brought such a positive energy to the locker room, and I'd be like, all right, we're going to do this drill. And Matt, they'd get fired up about doing the drill, or I'm like, all right, we're going to do a battle drill out of the corner. Who's up? You know, because you got to have a couple guys go in the corner first and, and battle it out and work on those techniques. And those guys would always just get up. I'm, I'm up, I'm up. And they're excited about it. And they got the rest of the team excited about it. They're excited about those hard drills. They're excited about practice. They're excited about long bus trips to wherever. That kind of stuff. And I, I think the Grizzlies had that the last couple of years. I know that it was – that Dastu was just an amazingly positive influence in that locker room. Manic was also – those were the two that were up every drill. First up, what is it? I don't care how hard it is. I want to do it. I want to do it hard. I want to be first. And I think – finding guys like that is at 5%. I just wonder, you know, obviously having Dastu, who's one of the best that's that's played here in a long time, Manic who's a hometown kid, and obviously I'm totally biased, but, um, you know, helped raise that kid since he's a pup. But just seeing guys like that, I hope we find something else to replace those guys. As far as energy, you're never going to find that skill. I mean, that's, that's so hard to get to stay in this league. You know, like... A guy that good almost always gets pulled up to the a, like dynasty. Yeah,
2: well, it's just like you always know that any team coached by Ryan Canas, there's going to be a speed element to it. He's right. going to want a fast yeah. team, and and um, I think the one thing you know in the off season is po- that's possible that Canas, could be looking at, is maybe a little bit more size because it seems like every team that plays against the Grizzlies is going to want to play physical against them because right. they figure, okay, well, Grizzlies are faster than we are, so how are we going to find a way to combat them? So it would just play by play. As, <laughs> Very strong physical game. And so I, um, yeah, I know the Grizzlies are probably going to be looking for that in the offseason. It's kind of interesting when you think about you know, what the great teams have. You know, it just seems like you know, with Idaho, when they absolutely had to have it, they just, for whatever reason, it just seemed like they always were in control. They always found a way to win those 50-50 battles. They always found a way to control the puck. They always seemed to control the pace of the game. Um, yeah, I know that Florida. The times I've seen the Florida Everblades, it's been a similar case. And Florida, obviously, a couple wins away from repeating as champs. Even if you look at the NHL level, the teams that just seem to control the pace of play. You know, it seemed like Vegas here in the first two games of the finals. You know, seems to have controlled the pace against Florida. Oh yeah. Um, I, I know for the Grizzlies when they've had success against Idaho. You know, it was especially the first two games of that playoff series. It seemed like Utah was in control of the pace of the game. It seemed like they were. And that's really what the great teams have. And I think that, you know, it starts with, you know, a strong blue line, you know, a strong defensive unit. And, and um, I think for Utah, I think that, you know, I think that the tough thing is knowing that they're right there. You right. know, it's kind of tough thinking, you know, this upcoming October, I'm having to start from scratch, but, um, It'll be interesting to see because I think Ryan knaswich has got the system. He's he's really got the right the perfect temperament to be yeah. a coach in this league because you know he just seems like he's got that even kill and he also has, seems to have that perfect balance of you know when to get on a team you know when to kick him in the butt and you know when to pat him on the back. He seems to just be right on the you know he just seems to you know press the right buttons in yeah. terms of in terms of you know when to get the team going you know when you know, when to give a, a strong motivational speech and you know when the team needs a pat on the back and some encouragement.
1: Yeah, he definitely gets it.
2: Um speaking
1: of starting from scratch, you've seen some things. There's already been movement in the Avalanche. Um obviously we just lost the assistant coach or the coach of the Eagles, right? Yeah, Greg Cronin who became the Anaheim Ducks coach. Yeah, and that's that's you look at that and the potential of who can move where. You think you think that means Tim Brown moves up into that spot?
2: Makes sense. It could be him, uh, you know, if they want to go internally. Uh, obviously, with an right. AHL job, it really depends on, you know, who's making the hire. Is it going to be, you know, the Eagles solely, you know, making that decision, yeah. or is it – or, you know, is the NHL team the Joe Sackett going to have, Sackett tell them know, who's going to be their coach. Sackett's going to have an influence. Obviously, if you're an AHL team, you want to be on the same page with your AHL affiliate, especially okay. if you're going to have – you know, a handful of guys are going to be playing for your team at any point in the season. I mean, Brandon, I think, would do a great job there with Colorado, but I know their other assistant, Aaron Schneethcloth, was uh, their head coach when they won a couple of Kelly Cups, right. you know, in 2017 and 2018. So I think he'd be a pretty good candidate as well. Um, if they go outside the organization, I could see them going for a guy that's got a lot of experience, you know, as Greg Cronin had, you know, 12 years of NHL assistant experience before he became the – Eagles head coach, you know, you yeah. can end up seeing a guy that, you know, had spent a lot of time as an NHL assistant and, you know, just kind of looking for a head coaching spot in the AHL that, you know, could boost his resume. Right. Um, so I think the Eagles could go in any number of directions there with, with their yeah. head coaching spot.
1: And that does, well, and one way or another, there's going to be some movement up there. And I, I think Kanas, is kind of, I don't know that he's even wanting to move, but it looks like there's an opportunity for somebody else to move. And speaking of that, the Avalanche have also made, you know some goalies have left their organization they've drafted some more but you think a guy like Trent Miner with the back-to-back seasons that he's had here he's
2: there's no way he comes back do you think i mean he's got to be an AHL goalie next year i think he's got to be an AHL goalie next year especially since you know next year will be the last year of a 3 year NHL entry level deal yeah. i was a little bit surprised to see him this past year after seven so shutouts and it seems like when he's got his A game on, you know nobody can score against him. Yeah. You, know, you think about how he ended the regular season with a shutout against Tolson, then you know that first playoff game. I mean, Idaho had one great chance after another, and they just couldn't get anything past him. Right. Um, he's definitely an AHL level goalie, and you know you give it a couple of years. I mean, he yeah, he's only like could twenty-two, some, right? Yeah, 20, yeah, 21, 22? Twenty twenty-one, maybe twenty-two. I mean, yeah. he's, I think he's got some NHL potential, you know, yeah. especially with you know. His work ethic, you know, it's not necessarily, you know, he's got the skill and the quickness, and seems like he is a very smart guy. But his work ethic, you know, that's one of the things that stands out about him, and and really a lot of good goalies is just, you know, that work ethic, uh, to just the preparation. Yep. Um, he seems to be a guy that's well prepared and very smart guy, and that's I think why Garrett Metcalf has been able to have a lot of success as a pro is is his work ethic and. What really impressed me about Garrett Metcalf is he could sit on the bench for a couple months, you know, practice, and then, you know, you get your chance to play. And you know, he could sit out for a month, not playing any games, come in, and, you know, first game in there, you know, it like looks like he's played every game. You know, he's right there in rhythm. Uh, for goalies, it seems like, you know, every pro's got every – pro, you know, everyone's got talent, but the ones that seem to – End up making at those levels are the guys that just you know, seem to prepare and uh, Garrett, the work ethic. Garrett hasn't always
1: really impressed me. Like when he was younger, he didn't have it, and then at some point he just got it and his his he really started preparing physically. But like you say, and to just I feel bad about the situation he's in here with Utah because we all want to see him play. We know he can play at this level, but he's not the, the Avalanche. Didn't sign him. The Grizzlies did, so the Avalanche are going to want their guys played first. But when he does get put in, to have that mental uh, balance and to be prepared mentally is way harder than to be prepared physically. And that's the part that people don't get. Like, yeah, you didn't play for two months. Now go in. If you do great, great, you did great. If you don't do well, you're probably done. Like, it's, you know what I mean? Like, you're day-to-day,
2: and you have to be prepared to play it's tough in this league because you pretty much have to keep three goalies because at any point, you know, you could lose one, maybe two goalies to affiliates, yeah. and so you need that third goalie that's got an ECHL contract that, you know, might play once a month, but you know that, you know, when you put them in there that once, you know, one or two games a month, you know, you hope that they're prepared and they're ready to go, and and, you know, Garrett Metcalf has done an outstanding job with that. And the interesting thing when you've you know, you got an ECHL contract is you're essentially an AHL free agent. And I think Garrett ended up playing more AHL games this year than Trent Miner did.
1: Yeah, I you know, think you're you- right. And I, I, that, blows your, that does not blow your mind because Miner's getting all the games down here. He's game ready. And he'd get pulled up and he'd sit on the bench. And then Garrett would get pulled up and get thrown in some games. Uh, he did really well for San Diego. I think he only played, what, two or three games? And he got in five games. Oh, yeah. I think two of the awesome games play. are really well. I mean, yeah. San
2: Diego really struggled this past yeah, year. No, they were
1: brutal. They were on like an eight or ten game losing streak when he got there, and I think he got their first win in a long time.
2: Yeah, a couple of the games, you know, Hard to say that there is fault because, you know, the team around him. You know, yeah. he had a couple games where he let in quite a few goals, but if you have a ten game losing streak going, it's not the goalies' fault. It's the it's team. Kind of the it's, the whole team. Yeah. it's kind of the benefit of having an ECHL contract as any AHL team can pull you up. Yeah. Where I've seen some really good players that have got an AHL deal. They play really well for the Grizzlies, but they're kinda of at the mercy of the Eagles yep. calling them up and you know, if the Eagles don't have a spot for a forward or a defenseman. You know, they're they're in Utah and they're they're going to be in Utah until an injury arrives in in Colorado. Oh. Oh. Whereas they know that you know if they had an ECHL contract with the same production, they know somebody's picking mm. them up. It's kind of like that flexibility with Brandon Cutler. You know, he, he ended up getting picked up by three different AHL teams this year, oh. and you know, then when he came back here, you could tell why. You know, he had spent some time in the AHL because he just did all the little things. Yeah. You know, when the battles on the boards, when the fifty-fifty pucks. You know, just kind of play a blue-collar game. And you know, to add along with the skill that he can, you know, he can score goals at this level. It's it's kind of interesting as you think about that AHL contract. But you know, if if you if you continue to produce at an ECHL level, you know, eventually somebody's going to take note and pick you up.
1: Yeah, you almost you see guys now doing the math. They'll be like, hey, all right, I have this offer and this offer. But if I go here, they've got four teams or four guys in my position in front of me between or there are eight guys with NHL experience in this organization that play my position or they they just start looking for where where do I have the best chance to play and where do I have
2: the best chance to climb up out of the East Coast League. It's kind of like the Grizzlies they had a play, they had a bunch of great defensemen there for that 2022 Western Conference final team because you know they were just you know, the Eagles were just stacked with defensemen. Yeah. And you know, it was like the, the Eagles you it was like all three levels there had the defenseman of the year in twenty twenty two. You know, the NHL had McCarr, and then there was an AHL guy with the Eagles that was defenseman of the year, and then Dasu obviously at the ECHL level. Uh, was,
1: super surprised to me that Dasu didn't get signed by the Avalanche, at least for an AHL deal. I was really surprised
2: by that. You must have gotten a pretty good deal with Cuckoo and, he, in Finland. It must be a it must be a pretty good deal I, I that heard, he got
1: there. I heard I heard a number and it was uh it was pretty good.
2: One of those, you'd have to be an idiot to re- to take to turn down that offer. I,
1: I and I, I don't have anything to back this up except for I was told that he was he was making more over
2: there than he would have made if he got pulled up to the NHL on a on a base level. So I don't know if it's been announced, but I think there's another former Grizzly that's going to be joining him. In oh, Finland. really? Okay. Are you going to announce it right here or no? I think Ben Tardif's going to join him in Finland. Oh, really? Good for him. That was kind of an interesting deal last year. Because it was like Ben Tardif was over and hit the AHL with the Colorado Eagles. I think at some point, you know, Kanasiewicz was expecting to get him back, and then he gets traded for Luke Martin. Right. You know, Martin ends up spending some time in the AHL, but then finished up the season with the Grizzlies. And so that was kind of an interesting deal with two guys who were both, you know, all-league rookie members in 2022 getting traded for each other <laughs> in an yeah. AHL deal. Yeah. Every now and then you'll see like an NHL deal being made and it involves a Grizzlies player. You yeah. know, a couple of years ago, Josh Dickinson gets traded from the Avalanche organization over to Chicago and then, you know, end up facing him in the playoffs a year later. I remember Kenton Helgeson, who was with Rapid City the last couple of years, he was with the Grizzlies on an NHL deal with an- with Anaheim yeah. and got pulled away in a deal. Those Those are kind of interesting ones that, you know, you don't make the trade, but it's kind of like, well, the NHL affiliate made the trade for you. And yeah, you don't make you the
1: trade, a, but it was your guy. All of a sudden, yeah. you lose a forward. Yep. Yeah, it's it's the uh, the life of the affiliate, right? It's it's the ups and downs, and that's the most that's the craziest thing. We've had Knapp switch on here a few times, and just to have like, just to watch him try to put the puzzle back together, it's like it reminds me a little bit of when I was playing juniors in Canada. We try to play risk. You know, and you have all your pieces on the board and you're finally getting some momentum and then you hit a bump in the in the freeway or whatever and now you got to go, oh man, I need to get this and this and that. Now i got to figure out where everything went. How do I get all these pieces back where they belong? And it's to me, that's like, you have a thousand pieces on the board. That's basically what it comes down to to being an East Coast League coach because you need 20 plus two goalies or three goalies or four goalies, maybe six. Who knows? You need to have tabs on everything. You hit that bump in the road where all of a sudden... A bunch of your pieces are either with the Eagles or the Avalanche or with the goals
2: or whatever. Now you got to put it all back together and figure it out. It's like a f- few times a year, it's just like, okay, we're, we're really deep at forward. And all of a sudden, you got really good players that have to sit out because you can only play so many guys. Yeah. And there are times where it's just like, hey, we got like eight healthy forwards. <laughs> what are we going to do? We have to bring a couple of defensemen, move them up to forward. And it happens like four times a year where it's just like uh, you're really deep at one spot, now now you need somebody at that spot. Yeah, you know? it's so <laughs> but- crazy.
1: And people don't get it. Like it's just I, I wish I wish people could see that part of it because it's it's such a cool behind the scenes part and they're like, Oh yeah, well, can switch goes out there and runs practice and then his day's over. No, he's on the phone, he's constantly on the computer watching guys or looking for stats or you know, you have to you have to just keep your finger on the pulse of everything. You got to be watching what's going on with major, junior, NCAA. Who's a free agent from a team that you just played? Like if if something just happened last night in an avalanche game, how is it going to affect your life? And that's that's every day for Konasiewicz.
0: Over the
2: last couple of years, he's done an outstanding job there in the month of March at getting guys from colleges oh, yeah. and junior leagues. Over the last couple of years, you know some of Utah's best players, James Shearer and Dakota Raby. Uh, yeah, you bring him up for me, Johnny Walker, this past year Kyle Mayhew from the University of Denver. I think he's going to be an outstanding defenseman. Right. With his size, unfortunately, he's probably going to be at this you know, in this league and at this level. And if the Grizzlies bring him back, he's going to be an outstanding defenseman. He was probably Utah's best defenseman during that playoff series against Idaho. The hmm. only thing is he's probably 5'7" or 5'8", so, so he just doesn't have the size. Yeah, but then you think about guys like James Schur may not score a ton of goals, but they do literally everything else. They're always in the right place at the right time. I mean, really that's where the, you know, where, where the Grizzlies almost caught up to Idaho last year in terms of talent was just month of March, you know, Canas, which was able to get four or five pieces that you know, really, really turned it from a good team to potentially a great team. And that's what made this past playoff run so much fun and, gave the Grizzlies a lot of potential during the playoffs. The fact that he was able to make that four or five key moves, you know, getting those junior league guys. And most of the times, those players end up coming back the next season. Right. Um, you hope they do, yeah. If, yeah,
1: it's, it's cool. And that's, like you said, it's, has just done an amazing job at it. It's, I think that's, to me, nowadays, that's the most fun part to watch. It's just watching who's coming from where and, and watching, in the whole league. I like watching them pick up guys and, it's
2: give guys a chance. It's just kind of exciting to see it happen. See those key trades and, oh. you know, a guy who may be on a third line somewhere else as a forward, you, you give him a chance, you know, and a guy like Jordan Martell just makes the most of it. Right. Well, that's how the whole
1: Vegas Knights team was built, right? Guys that weren't protected by their other team and were second or third line,
2: wherever they were, and now they're one of the best in, this, in the NHL. Yeah, first year make the finals. I mean, the crack in their second year of existence, you know, putting together a pretty good run. Kind of wonder if we're going to get a team here at some point.
1: Yeah, what do you think about that? What What are the rumors you're hearing? I try. I wasn't. I maybe wasn't going to bring it up this time, but man, it's such a hot
2: button issue right now. I think that there's a couple things working in Salt Lake's favor. One, it seems like every prospective team needs that multi-billionaire that's got ambition. Oh. It looks like we've got that in Ryan Smith. You All know, right? you talking about a guy that you know, has the jazz and it's kind of weird that he's going after the Grizzlies or going after an NHL team considering that they play the same time of year as the NBA. Right. And he probably also has to think about, you know, where's that team going to play? Oh. You know, it's it's almost like the top two issues when you're building a team or, you know, trying to come up with a franchise is one, who's that ambitious multi billionaire, well check, check that them. box yeah. off. But where they where are they going to play long term? You know, I think that yeah, they'd almost have to consider building an, an arena specific for hockey, yeah. especially if the Olympics end up coming to town. I think that could end up being a big boost. If they get the Olympics, you could build another place. You can kind of it's why we utilize the, the Olympic Center, Maverick. I mean, that's yeah. why it exists. you yeah. know, it's got that 2002 Olympics and you know, some other buildings there. I mean, I live literally across the street from the Olympic Olvon Kearns. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, so – I could see the Olympics you know if if they come to town maybe helping with that you know and getting a hockey specific arena uh, because I think you can play there at, at delta center short term, but uh, you know long term they' probably going to have to find an answer,
1: yeah, I think you could too, and i think and I think that's part of his pitch right he's like, hey, I already have a building, and we could be playing in it tomorrow. I already have ice, I already have boards I, i've said that part of the show before too. He also could buy the Maverick Center yeah i mean and I, that, maybe that's not big enough. What does the Maverick Center hold for hockey? Or Probably total? about ten thousand. I thought it was like fourteen thousand. Is it it's ten thousand? Yeah. All right. So that's not going to be big enough. That's barely bigger than. I mean, that's double what they're playing. What Arizona's it's, playing it's, now. It's double the Arizona size. And that's what that was. My understanding. Again, this is. I don't have anything to back this up. Uh, my son, his, his some of his friends, he all they were, worked for Real Salt Lake, part of Randsbest Group. Uh, part of the group that owns Real Salt Lake also owns the Rangers and the Devils. And at some point they all got together and they're like, hey, the Phoenix is in trouble. They're playing in front of a 5,000-seat arena. We, even with, even if you took out the bad sight lines at the Delta Center, it's still going to hold more than 5,000 people. it probably be closer to, I don't know, 14, 18, 16 maybe. I'll we'll have to look that up. But, I mean, they could do it right now. And that's yeah. what he did. He's like, hey, we could do it right now. And the NHL, I have the money. I have a building. I have enough money to buy another building or create another building or whatever. So, like, that's got to boost us up on
2: out of all the other cities. I think so. I mean, Atlanta's looking like they're making a pitch, but you know they've had the NHL twice and lost it. Houston's probably trying to make a pitch. You know, they they've got the arena there that the Houston Rockets play, in that they probably figure, you know, we could pull we could, we could play hockey there as soon as next year. I mean, they got oh. some history at the Houston Arrows. But, but, you know, this would be a perfect landing spot for the Coyotes, and I think we've got, the, we've got enough fans that I think we can fill the place. And I yeah. think the excitement would be there. I mean,
1: Well, when you look at it, and this is one of the arguments people are like, well, there's not enough people to even go to the Grizzlies games. Yeah, well, there weren't a lot of people going to Vegas Wranglers games either. But now try to get a ticket to a Knights game. You know Those buildings are sold out. You're getting, you are getting can get second-hand tickets, but it's going to cost you. Those, especially the
2: first time the Detroit Red Wings come to town or oh the yeah. Blackhawks oh. or the Avalanche or Ovechkin you know, and the Capitals. Yeah, the Leafs. You know, Sidney mean, Crosby comes to town. I mean, everybody's going to be excited to see that, especially yeah. the first few years, which is why I think the NHL would do well and, and would be supported with a big enough fan base and why I think Major League Baseball would also do pretty well right. in this market as well. Right.
1: It's funny about that, too, because
2: while I was in a meeting and they're like, hey –
1: uh, the Miller group and the Smith group are going after the Anaheim Angels to bring them here. I'm like, oh, okay. And then all we ever talk about is expansion. I'm like, what happened to us? I thought we made an offer. So I think there's something else going on. Like, I, think, I, think they, I think they have more, obviously they know more than we know, but it seems like those groups have almost like secured money, secured a site, and,
2: and have a reasonable expectation that those teams will be here within the next two or three years. It looked like the Angels were for sale, and then um, then the owner decided he wasn't going to sell. He was just going to keep the franchise. Now, whether he changed his mind the next few years, I mean, who knows? But obviously he's got a big market in Anaheim, but he's got a ballpark that's aging a little bit. I mean, they redid the thing in the mid-'90s, but you know, he could build a new ballpark here and, you know, I think the Angels would be a good fit here because they've already got a foothold here with the, right. with the Bees. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've been their affiliate since 2001. Expansion would be kind of tough because it hasn't happened since 1998. Right. I think Salt Lake's best case is if they decide to go one team west and one team out east. Out east, it probably goes to Nashville is putting together a pretty good case for a team. And, uh, Salt Lake would probably just have to compete with Portland, maybe Vancouver. Um, you know Sacramento, if they really wanted to jump in, probably could, but you know the, if it's just you know, for that team out west, I think Salt Lake has a pretty good case, and it sounds like with Portland, they don't politically have the, all their ducks in a row, whereas it <laughs> seems like politically everything's kind of in line here for that baseball pursuit. yeah, I hope so
1: all right man well i I can't thank you enough for coming out uh i I enjoy listening to you on the radio I, or streaming or whatever we call it these <laughs> Who days. Who knows what it is on anymore. <laughs> It gets, I do though, like I'll, I'll pull up YouTube and I want to listen to the game, especially those last three games, man. And I'll throw it up and then I'll, like, I'll put YouTube on and I'll put my phone down and then I'll drive and then my phone, like if I drive past a fire station, this is what I notice because on my way home, if I drive past a fire station, my phone syncs to the Wi-Fi and then as I pull away, I lose my signal. And then I'm frozen for a minute. Like you talk about, I keep freezing. If I pull out my driveway, by the time I get to the road, I freeze up and then I have to pull over, start it over again. So that part kind of sucks, but it's it's nice that it's there. I hope there, there's a something else besides YouTube. Or
2: hope so. Yeah.
1: Well, we'll figure it out whatever it is. We're gonna keep listening because we want to know what happens with the Grizzlies. They're so much fun to watch, and uh, I'm excited to see what happens with the team this year. I hope. I hope miners in the A. Eh, it sucks for us, but that kid doesn't belong here. Yeah, that kid's got that kid's gonna be somewhere, and I'd like to see Garrett be our starting goalie. I, I know that it has nothing to do with what I want. But I'd like to see him get a chance. And I also don't think he's an East Coast League goalie. I think he's better than that. I think he's bigger. like Size-wise, he's what the AHL and NHL are looking for. That's, so hopefully he gets that opportunity this year, and I hope it's here in front of his hometown fans, in front of his dad. Um, if not, whatever. But it's, it's been fun to watch him play.
2: Uh, what are you looking forward to this upcoming season? I think for the Grizzlies, they're just trying to find a way to get, take that next step. And I think they've got a good foundation in place, especially Ryan Knast, which is back for another year. Um, I think they're looking for – it was just kind of a weird year with their affiliate because it just seemed like there were so many injuries with the Avalanche and Eagles that, you know, unfortunately the Grizzlies weren't able to get nearly as much help as they did the previous year from Colorado. I expect this year that the Grizzlies are going to get a ton of help from their affiliate this season, and that really sets them up for success. Obviously, you never know about the twists and turns that – go on within a season, but it feels like there's a ton of optimism for the Grizzlies going into next year. I mean, the schedule looks like it's kind of has a lot of home games early in the season. looks like the first seven games will be at home. Um, I can see the Grizzlies getting off to a fast start next year. And I think that they're just looking for that extra 5% to get yep. them over the hump. Yeah, and I think they're trying to figure out what that is. And and um, I, I think that there's a lot of optimism that the Grizzlies going to be Pretty strong next season. That's awesome.
1: What are your What's your uh, goal? Where do you want to end up? You want to go to the NHL too?
2: Yeah, that's my. I mean, that's yeah. is
1: it the NHL or would it be Major League Baseball?
2: I think it's any of the major just four major sports, sports. You know, yeah. either the NBA, Major League Baseball, I mean, the NFL is kind of more of a pipe dream than any of the others. Would that but, be
1: what is that? Would that be the pinnacle for you? Is, is the NFL?
2: Uh, it'd be fun. I it just yeah. I always thought that that one was kind of a tougher one to attain because it just seemed like everybody. Yeah, wants we're, to we're be just fantasizing NHL. here. We're just fantasizing. If I mean, you could,
1: if you could end up anywhere, where would you want to end up?
2: Well, considering the fact that I'm single and you know, I have nobody that seems to want to hang out with me, Major League Baseball is <laughs> perfect because it occupies a ton of time <laughs> for a six months period. A That's yeah. right. Good lord. Yeah. The tough thing is sometimes you know if you have a wife and kids, you know sometimes you just kind of have to do what you have to do. Luck unfortunately for me since I can't find anybody you know it's just like need something to occupy time uh yeah that's pretty much been my dreams to just end up in you know one of those four major sports yeah just ever since I was growing up listening to Hot Rod Hunley it's just something I've always wanted to do and I used to I I got to meet him quite
1: a bit um like years ago he lived in the running district and it was just cool because I grew up listening to him too and he's just an amazing person and it was good to see him quite a bit and get to know him a little bit um well man i i hope for you like i think you deserve it i think you've earned it you're so much fun to listen to and you can tell you do all the work and so i'd love if we get a major league baseball team i'd love to see you end up there i think that'd be ideal for all of us i think it'd be fun to listen to you in your realm you do an amazing job for the grizzlies and i appreciate it as a as a fan so uh again thanks for coming on the show Uh, is there anything else you want to add before before we end the show
2: Oh, it was just great to be here. It's just uh, you know, it's one of those where I've seen other people on the show, and I thought, yeah, it'd be kind of fun to be on here sometime. Yeah, but, I, and I've
1: always uh, – my plan was always to have you on. And, uh, you know, things just – the hardest thing with us is when getting hit by COVID, I thought, it would end the show, and especially when they're like, oh, you're – the KSL is like, hey, listen, we got, we got people in the building that actually need to be in the building and make the company a lot of money. And since you're a firefighter and you're out exposed to COVID all the time – how about you just don't come to work for a little while? Can you do this little thing from your home? So then I'm like, all right, well, that gets a little weird. And then right as we get back going again, they're like, hey, uh, podcasts are doing really well. We're going to rebuild the entire studio. So now you're back in your house. So it's like, man, I went from being like a twice a week podcast to just like once a week podcast. So it made it, it, made it weird. and It made me push my guest list back. But you've always been on there. And uh, Again, like I said, I'm a fan of yours. It's been
2: fun to have you on. Yeah, it's been great. It's great being here.
1: Well, now you got to have me on your show. Now you got to have me come. I'll I'll come drop some knowledge, and if I don't know it, I'll just make it up. If you want me. I'll hey, do some color commentating. You you're invited of, anytime. You make fun of Kanasewicz and you're, Pike. And, you're invited anytime. All right, man. I'm 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 always around. I'm I, and I love to talk about hockey. So well,
2: it was great to be here in Sandy, I, mean, I think Pike's from Sandy too. I don't yeah. know which area, which part of Sandy. Yeah,
1: uh, around here, I think I'm new to this. I've only lived in this area for a year. So for the listeners we're I'm doing this uh, podcast in my living room uh with I don't know $10,000 worth of equipment that's <laughs> it's nice to make my studio at home as nice as the studio at the radio station but it's uh it's not bad. It's great setup. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're like you have a terabyte in here. I have there's a bunch more of this in the in my back bedroom. But I have more music in here than all the radio stations I used to work for. <laughs> it's crazy what you can do from home nowadays. But anyway, again, um Grizzlies start when's the first game?
2: I think October 21st. I think it's that third Saturday in October they'll host the Tulsa Oilers. Nice. And
1: I saw I looked over the roster. It didn't look like as many games against Idaho this year.
2: 14 instead of 18. They're spread out quite a bit, yeah, which that's is nice. I've seen it spread first out. First half of last year, is like played them 15 times, and of course they turned out to be an historically good regular season yeah. team. <laughs> Which, halfway through the season, I thought, we can make a pretty good second-half push because you don't have to play Idaho so much. Yeah, no kidding. It just It's funny, though, because they only had
1: 11 losses, I think, here in the regular season, yeah. but a few of them were the Grizz. The Grizz seemed to have their number a little on bit. On the road, even, a few yeah. times. Yeah. All right, well, uh, that's it for today, Tyson. Thanks so much for being on. We're looking forward to this upcoming season and listening to everything that you
2: can come up with on the radio. We'll try to come up with as much as we can. Uh, luckily, uh, it's... Until now, until October, play plenty of golf and try to work on their swing a little bit. Yeah,
1: yeah, I'll get out there. We'll have to get out there together. I, I go golfing with Canas, which every once in a while we're... Uh,
2: He's a good player.
1: Yeah. we're. I'll have to tell you, me and him and Tim, back in the day, would go out, and then, and Tim and I, I'm never on the right fairway. I'm always <laughs> out making friends with somebody else because my ball's in the wrong place or putting someone in the houses near us. But, yeah, we'll have to all go out together. It'll be fun.
2: That'd be a lot of fun.
1: All right, uh, that is the Utah Puck Report. If you haven't subscribed already, please do. Let's keep this. uh, Let's keep this building and making sure that everybody knows that Utah is actually a hockey state. And that is the end of the Utah Puck Report.
0: A gun in the face.
2: Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. on the door boom 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 and there was the police once again
0: you can binge all of the episodes of hope and darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts